Welcome to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow. I believe in taking massive, inspired action from an awakened soul. This show is a weekly dose of spiritual principles, personal development, and success strategies for creating an epically aligned life. Here's to your wildest dreams coming true with less hustle, grit and grind, more flow, ease, and grace. I'm the founder of the Live Video Mastery Academy, a TV host, speaker, best-selling author, and proud fur mama, and I'll be sharing real talks with successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, best-selling authors, spiritual luminaries, and high-performance experts in this unfiltered, transformational, and soul-centered podcast. Things are about to get real. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, and I am really thrilled that you're here today. Our guest, John Paul Crimi, is a breathwork master, the real deal. I mean, what sets this guy apart from virtually every other breathwork quotes guru out there, which he says, please don't call me a guru. I do secretly (laughs) for myself, is uh, his Boston East Coast no-nonsense approach to this uh, transformational gift of breath work. And he's so, so authentic. You'll feel it. You'll feel it in this conversation. We talk about in this conversation how he came into it, what his life story was like, why uh, he was the person who needed it the most, and, and why he allowed himself to be called into being a teacher of this craft, despite the fact that he was absolutely the most unlikely and resistant, most resistant of all, which is always the best stories, right? And what I personally love about this, two more things, is I'm always trying to bring you guests or ideas and solutions to issues that I know we're all facing as humans. And so while Fire and Soul is all about inspired action from an awakened soul, someone who woke up to their calling and or their purpose for epically aligned results. In other words, so there's no forcing or pushing the grit, the grind, the hustle. It's more flow, ease, and grace. And... That's what breath work can be for you. And so what is so special to me about this conversation and this opportunity that I'm going to tell you about in a moment as well is I was skeptical about breath work. I hated it. I still don't love the first like maybe nine, 10 minutes of it. Apparently that's normal. You just got to get through it, literally breathe through it. And so I had tried it a few times, didn't really resonate, didn't really get it, thought it didn't really work, even did it when I was at Rhythmia Life Advancement Center back in November because they offer it. They know how profound it can be. And on many cases, they have said at Rhythmia, they've heard many people experience their, quote, journey miracles or breakthroughs that some are getting on the plant medicine ayahuasca through breath work. In fact, Many, many, many get their, their miracle through the breath work, but that didn't happen for me. And it didn't happen for, you know, most of the people that I know and or attended Rhythmia with. But of course, it does happen for people all the time. And then it happened to me. So I shared about this in last week's podcast with Panash Desai. And if you want to go back to that one, it was episode 77. It's called You Are Enough with Panash Desai. And I shared about my experience with JP at his breathwork class during Panache Desai's immersion event a few weeks back in Palm Springs, California. And so John Paul had been invited and he did three classes, you know, in a row in the mornings before we would do our day-long workshop with Panache. 
And I was so resistant, so resentful the whole nine. But it was that first class that I took that I experienced healing. I experienced alignment. I experienced a breakthrough. I had wailing and tears, and then I saw things, and I was able to connect the dots back to being a very, very young girl and recognize, like I would have almost on ayahuasca, how all of it came together to teach me, to show me, to guide me home. And home for me is coming back to my soul, just waking up to the fact that that is the truth of who I am, right? It's this beautiful experience of peace and harmony. And we can get that with breath work. So what I love about this is that you don't need an external teacher, event, or exercise to get you there. You can do it on a random Tuesday at noon, as JP talks about during this conversation. But we also wanted to let you know that he's he's given you something really special. He's got a program called the Five Day Emotional Detox. There's nothing in this for me. There's no affiliate, you know, fee for me. I'm sharing this because that's how wholeheartedly I believe this will change your life because of the experience that I had. And now I know thousands and thousands of, you know, household names go to JP4 and thousands of people around the world that show up to his classes and his retreats, his teacher training programs, et cetera. You can get it for 40% off today. And he's offering that to my listeners, which is such a beautiful gift. So what this is, is it's a program that he did live and then they edited it down to make it be available because they realized that not everyone, you know, has the time or the resources to get to his live event. So, I mean, it's at a crazy price of $179 and it's insanely affordable and it's five full days for you to be able to listen to it and get the teachings, including write this this powerful exercise about writing three different letters that will blow you away. It is the entry point to the portal of transformation. Anytime you do it, you can share it with others as well. It's just so incredible. What I mean by that is share that letter writing experience with others. So I'm going to add that link at the bottom of my show resources on fireandsoulpodcast.com. It's the five-day emotional detox. And I highly encourage you to pick that up. Anyway, you will see from this conversation, it's about as authentic as it gets. I'm actually quite moved and touched at JP's humanity and his vulnerability over and over again. This is why I know the world loves him and responds to him. And this is why I know for sure what Panache said about him, which is he's downloading, he's channeling. And while that sounds like hippy-dippy words that JP would probably never subscribe to, the reality is, is that's just what's happening. He was called into this work, which moves me to tears to think about, you know, his willingness and his courage to do something that he did not think he should be doing that's now healed and impacted thousands and thousands of people around the world. So this is really special. Um, I'm deeply honored to bring it to you. And uh, please enjoy John Paul Crammy. It's so funny because people say that to me, Jean-Paul, are you French? Are you French? And I'm like, I'm not French. I'm Irish, Italian, and Scottish, which basically means I like to drink a lot. I don't want to pay for it. And then I want to start a fight. Right after that. <laughs> no wonder you needed the breath work to save your life. 
Yeah, I don't drink anymore and I don't fight anymore. So let me just make that clear. But that's the old me. But you still want things for free. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, who, do, who doesn't like free stuff? Oh, man, I'm so with you on that. And by the way, this is such an honor speaking of just being able to have quality time at no expense, right, to either of us right now. Although time is our most precious commodity to get you on this show is such an honor. You're a legend in the breathwork space. I know you don't like to be called a guru, but after my experience with you at Panache Desai's VIP immersion a couple weeks ago in Palm Springs, you are definitely my breathwork guru. And so Uh I had to have you on because my experience in that room, along with every other person, was nothing short of transformational. So we're going to talk about that. But I also want to get a little bit of your backstory. You said you don't drink. I know that you are a renowned Hollywood uh, sober coach, and you have a whole team and a whole company, amongst many other things. So how about a brief background, and then we'll catch everyone up to current moment and where you're headed next. Sure. So I grew up in the South Shore of Boston, Massachusetts, a little town called Pembroke, Massachusetts. It's the fifth most Irish town in America, surrounded by the 13 most Irish towns in America. Wow. So it's also called the, uh, the Irish Riviera. So I just thought everyone had like 17 brothers and sisters and got drunk and beat the shit out of each other growing up. And so I, you know, it was a, it was an interesting upbringing and I became a little bit of a drinker and a little bit of a fighter, not because I wanted to, but just to survive in a way. And I was really sensitive growing up. I heard a lot that you're too sensitive, you know, for my parents, right? You're too sensitive, you're too sensitive, which basically knowing now is like, you know, there's something wrong with you, mm-hmm. right? If you're too sensitive, there's something wrong with you. Like if I say this bothers me and you tell me that, it's me. I'm too sensitive. It's, it shouldn't bother you. It's you're too sensitive, like, but it does. So I had to find a way to deal with that sensitivity. And the way I found was I would stuff those feelings down, take a shot and punch somebody in the face. And this, and the feeling would go away. And I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of serious at the same time. Right. So I actually never really liked to fight, but I would get into fights a lot just as a survival instinct. And so I grew up in that kind of wild Boston, Irish drinking, fighting, environment. And it just, it just didn't allow for the sensitivity that I had. And now as a grown up, I found that my vulnerability is a superpower, right? Mm-hmm. Which we'll get into later. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you've experienced it in my classes and whatnot. So when I was 23, I, I realized I had lost a lot of friends growing up from drug use, drinking and driving, suicide, lost a lot of close friends when I was really young. And I knew I was headed in a bad direction, but I didn't know how to get off the path. Mm. I didn't know how to get off the train. You know, I saw my friends dying and killing themselves and going to jail. And so finally, I, I just decided I would um, up and move to California. And I, and I moved to L.A. I'd done some theater when I was a kid and I, I pursued acting in Los Angeles. And I was pursuing some modeling and fitness modeling and stuff like that. And what had happened to me was. I got alopecia, right? Which is sudden hair loss where you, for me, it started in patches on my head and on my arms and stuff like that. And my looks were basically sort of being stripped away. Mm. And at the time, it's so embarrassing to say now, but my self-esteem and my self-worth was wrapped up in my looks. I mean, how is that embarrassing? I mean, anyone at any age would feel that way. But how old were you at this time? I was 23. I was at like the peak. 23. You're you're desperate to make your mark. Yeah. You're super sensitive. Yeah. And now you're losing the one thing that could be your gateway to a new life. Totally. I get it. Exactly right. 
Wow. So pieces of my eyebrows are missing. I've got ball patches on my head. So I'm literally coloring in my eyebrows with an eyebrow pencil. I'm coloring in these ball patches and I'm going on auditions mm. and it's just feeding on itself, making me feel worse. So the doctors put me on prednisone, which is a catabolic steroid. It makes you fat and bloated, right? It's the opposite of what bodybuilders take. Right. So, uh, and they would fuck everything up for the acting and modeling career too. Totally. Totally. I was this fat bloated trainer in gold's gym in Venice and I was having all the side effects of the steroids, like all the anger and the mood swings and all that stuff. And I was getting cortisone shots in my eyebrows and in my head to try and keep the hair. And it was painful. Like the cortisone shots, I get like a hundred cortisone shots. They literally just stick a needle in there over and over for like an hour. And I started taking, you know, a couple of Vicodin before I go get the cortisone shots. And what I discovered was Vicodin is not only a pain blocker, a physical pain blocker, but it's an emotional pain blocker. And I had no tools, no skill set, no tools to deal with the feelings that I was feeling around losing my hair, losing my looks, right? Because if your self-esteem and your self-worth is wrapped up in your looks and that's being stripped away then you have nothing, right? If your self-esteem, your self-worth is wrapped up in your career and you lose your career, your job or your family, whatever it is, and that's stripped away for you, you have a choice at that moment where you're either gonna figure out, go deeper, or you're gonna like literally just go down a rabbit hole of uh, death. You know, I started to drink and do drugs and got suicidal. It got really bad. It got really dark. And I was basically on the edge of killing myself. And it sounds really shallow because it's just your looks, right? But I didn't but have you any felt tools. Hopeless, and you didn't have, you didn't know any other way. So it was like it was, it was insufferable, and you, you were trying to figure out a way to end the pain. Right, it's exactly right. And when you're in enough pain, you have to change. There, you know what I mean? Like pain is the motivator. Pain is this the touchstone to spirituality. They say, right? So finally, I reached out and asked for help. And I believe that's the bottom because people say, oh, you know, you get in a car accident and you kill a family or you lose your job or you lose your wife or you lose your kids. And that should be your bottom, right? With drugs and alcohol or whatever. But that's not really the bottom because I've seen people do all those things and keep going. Mm -hmm. The bottom is when you go, I can't live like this anymore and I need help. And you ask for help. That's the true bottom. Mm -hmm. So I just said, I can't live like this anymore. And, 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 you know, I had hit other bottoms. I had been stabbed when I was 19 years old and almost died. I lost half the blood of my body in Boston and almost died. But that wasn't, that wasn't the bottom for me. You know, I was out the next night with my whole head bandaged up, looking like I was in Vietnam or something. And people were like, didn't you get stabbed last night? And I was like, yeah, what's going on with you? And like just drinking and partying and mm. just nothing stopped me until... I had hit that place inside of myself where I'm like, I can't go on like this. So it takes a lot of conflict, whether it's external conflict, losing your job or getting stabbed or losing your family, or whether it's internal conflict and internal conflict, like I, I hate myself. I can't look at myself in the mirror. And a lot of the, the people that I've worked with who are really successful, who are big celebrities, rock stars, actors, you know, people who have won gold medals, whatever. For them, it's usually internal conflict mm -hmm. because they still have all the money. They still have all the fame. People still want to hang out with them, right? But they're dying on the inside. Mm -hmm. So it has to be internal conflict. They're, they're, they're not losing all the stuff on the outside. Yes. So I've worked with a lot of people who have had that internal conflict. And, and what happens is it's, it's harder. It's actually harder when you're successful to get sober because I'm, of those reasons. And because I'm sure of the shame, right? Well, yeah, you don't want people to know about it. And, right. you know, 
And also it's so socially acceptable. And so it's, it's one of those crazy things where I think everyone knows if they have a drinking problem, but, but only those very few that are courageous enough to say, Hey, I need help because they've hit that deep threshold of pain, that internal conflict within, then they ask for help. But so hold on though, let's connect the dots. So you started working with all these A-listers and all these different genres, but sort of piggybacked. You were suicidal, had lost your hair, getting the 100 cortisone shots. You're at the bottom. You've asked yep. for help. What's that transition like? And then you become Hollywood's, you know, premier sober coach. Yeah. So And you get it, sober. <laughs> yeah. So I got sober first, right? I've, had, I've actually had people come to me and want to be a sober coach who aren't sober. I'm like, oh, okay. it's, kind of, <laughs> it's kind of the first requirement is you got to be sober yourself. Like I'm, you know, it's hilarious. Yeah. So I got sober and I, I started asking, you know, I, I just dove down, I dove in, you know, I think that like getting sober for a lot of people is like the hokey pokey, right? You put your left foot in, you put your left foot out, you put your right <laughs> foot in and then it don't, until you fully put your whole self in yes. and you shake it all about. Right. And then you turn yourself around, yes, right? <laughs> right? You turn your shit around and you and you turn your life around and that's what it's all about. Right, <laughs> you're so awesome. I've never done that. I've never said that before. So it's, it's a good analogy. Maybe we'll title this the hokey pokey of breath work. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so you got to put your whole self in. And I dove into recovery, and I started doing all the stuff. I did all the twelve step work. I started like just diving in. I started reading the Power of Now and the Seed of the Soul and all the stuff. I started working with a therapist and all this amazing stuff. And I just dove into focusing on myself. And then what happens is part of that work. The last step in recovery, the 12th step, is working with others, helping other people, which is really important because it reminds you where you were a year ago or two years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, and you never want to go back there because otherwise you forget. You start to think like, oh, I've got this. you know, I've, I can do this. But I didn't have anybody to help when I had a year. This is a funny story. So I didn't have anybody to help, and I thought, I want to do something good. I want to give back. So I'm going to do Big Brothers of America, right? Mm-hmm. that mentor program. So I started going to Big Brothers of America and I said, I'm going to be one of the things I, I pride myself on in my recovery is just being 100% honest, being in integrity and honesty. And so they, there's a deep interview process, which there should be for Big Brothers of America. So they do background check. They check your references, your friends, everything. And the last step was this like long three hour interview with this really sweet girl. I think she was a Christian girl. And they ask in all these questions and it started to get really personal. And I was like, John Paul, just keep being honest. If they don't want you, they don't want you. So she and I dated for a little bit and I became a big brother. Yes. And I became a big, I became a big brother, which was amazing. I only want to be who I am and I only want to be true to myself. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, I think my people will find me. So it's just the key for me. It's just really just getting comfortable in my own skin. And, and that's been a huge process of, you know, losing my eyebrows and my hair, right? And like, so letting go of what people think of how I look, right? And then letting go of what people think of what I say, you know, like, it's just been a process. Like breathwork has helped me tremendously with like letting go of all that stuff. Okay. So let's connect those dots. So you're now dating the girl from, you know, from the big brothers program. That was very brief. That was okay. very brief. But that's fun. I clearly lack of hair didn't stop you from having some sexy time. So that's great. So when did you find breathwork? 
So let me get, let me go back a little bit. So then I started doing Big Brothers. I started, and that was amazing. It was a, my first experience with actually helping people, right? Like doing something that wasn't about me because I was so selfish and self-centered, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm picking up this kid in like the hood in Crenshaw and I'm taking him to the Getty Museum and I'm doing paintball with him and it's really cool. And then I started, you know, sponsoring guys in 12-step in recovery, mm-hmm. which was amazing. And I was still a personal trainer. So Somebody along the way said, you know, one of my clients had a recovery business and he said, you'd be amazing at helping people in recovery, you know, go being a sober companion. What I didn't know at the time was he wanted to build me out as a recovery coach and a trainer. You know, you're getting both on the road on the, when you, you know, for a rock star, for an actor, you get a trainer and a recovery coach and it worked really well. And I used to be a sous chef. That's a whole other story. I used to be a chef, so I could do it all right. And so I went out with on, on the road with rock bands for a while and traveled all around the world, which totally cured my rock star fantasies. And then I was on the movie set with a bunch of actors and that kind of cured my acting fantasies. Um, <laughs> and so it's not as glamorous as it all as you think it's going to be, it's, no. you know. And so I got to do all that stuff and I got to help a lot of people. And still part of me felt like, it wasn't, I wasn't like being the best me. Like there was, some of me was wasted, right? Like I'm in the mansion in the Hollywood Hills in a $25 million mansion with a star. They're in their room and I'm just sitting there doing nothing, right? And I'm making a shit ton of money, but it, I, I didn't feel fulfilled, right? It wasn't filled up. I was just making money and I was helping people, which felt good. But a lot of times it was just, I was just like there as a babysitter. Sometimes you're helping people and sometimes you're just a babysitter. And what happened to me was I was trying to be a screenwriter and I was really frustrated. And uh, one of my deals fell apart. I had a million dollar deal that totally fell apart. I got nothing and it broke my heart and I was just crushed. And I was at um, the Stanley Cup playoffs, right? The, the finals of the Stanley Cup in 2012 with Matthew Perry, he's a friend of mine. And I used to be his trainer and we became good friends. And we're in the VIP room underneath the Staples Center. And it's this tiny little room. And we're in between periods and it's every celebrity in Los Angeles in there that likes hockey. And in walks Tony Robbins, right? And I go, holy shit, it's Tony Robbins. And Matthew goes, really? Every celebrity in Los Angeles is in here. Kings are about to win the cup. And you're excited about a gigantic man right now. And I go, he's amazing. He's helped all these people. He's changed lives. I've been reading these books since I was like a kid. He goes, well, go tell him. And I go, dude, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy that bugs you to him, right? I don't want to be that guy, right? Because I'm with celebrities and I see people come up to him and it, I can't even have a conversation with this guy. I'm trying to save their life. and People keep interrupting for a selfie, right? Mm. So I didn't go up to him and I'm walking back through the tunnel and Tony is Tony. He's amazing. He knew. He looked up from his phone And he said, hey, man, how's it going? And I walked over and I said, listen, I never do this. I know everybody says that, but I actually don't. I'm a huge fan. I've been into your stuff since I was a kid. And I just love what you do. And he goes, what's your name? And what do you do? And we start talking. He goes, have you ever been to my seminar? And I go, no. He goes, well, I only do a couple domestically a year. I'd love it if you come next month uh, to San Jose as my personal VIP guest. And I'm like, get out of here. And he goes, yeah. And so he hooks me up. I go to his seminar. And when was that, JP? 2012, UPW UPW in San Jose. Um, I'm on the side of the stage. 
incredible high five in Tony, right? Like having this, and I played full out. I went fully for it, right? And I needed that at the time because I was really frustrated. I had sort of my deal fell apart. I had to go back to work helping people and training people and doing all this stuff I didn't want to do. My my screenwriting career wasn't working. I was so frustrated. I was angry about some other things that I don't want to get into. And I was just so frustrated and so angry. And you know, I just I had this moment at Tony's thing where I just realized that my gift was to help people. And that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm here to help people. And I decided right then and there that no matter what, I'm just going to help people. Forget about the Hollywood shit. Forget about all the stuff and just help people. And at the end of your life, my life will have been worthwhile because I will have changed other people's lives. So I had this moment where I broke and it, just talking about it makes me get emotional, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he does these moments where you pull these moments down into your heart. And in those moments, I saw this future moment where I saw two little children. <laughs> and, and I was like, what is going on? Like, I never wanted kids my whole life. I didn't want kids. My wife, you know, didn't want kids. And I just saw a little girl and a little boy, a younger boy, and I came back from the Tony Robbins thing and I didn't say anything for like a couple of days, which is not me. Like my wife was like, what's going on? Like she actually got to talk for the first time ever in our relationship. <laughs> and the first thing I said was, I think I want to have children. And she's like, what happened to Tony Robbins? I'm like, I don't know. I just don't know if I want to miss out on this experience. And then what happened to me was a couple people who didn't know each other said, I need to go, you need to go do breath work. And I was like, what's breath work? So I went to a place, which isn't there anymore. And there was like five people in the room and crystals and oils and a fucking sheepskin rug. And I'm like, oh, what is this fresh hell that I have walked into? <laughs> and because I'm from Boston, you know, I'm not into all that shit, right? So I laid down and I did the breath work and I hated the music and I didn't like the teacher and I didn't like the stu- any of it. But the breathing, because I was a trainer, I had tried every kind of meditation out there and none of it worked for me. It just made me feel like I sucked at something else. And the breathing was like a workout for me. I laid on the floor and I breathed in a certain pattern, a certain technique. And I'm telling you, after the first 10 minutes are brutal. But then after that, my head shut off. My brain shut off. That dialogue, that voice, that critic in my head that is just fucking brutal my whole life. It shut off. And then something happened where I released all this emotion, all this anger, all this grief, all this sadness, all this disappointment, all this shit that I had been storing my whole life. I just released it in that moment. And I just cried in a way that I've never cried in my life. And it was incredible. And so I started and I went home that night. This is a crazy story. I went home and made love to my wife, which is not my style at all. But I said, uh, I just made a baby. And she said, shut up, you idiot, which is like my, how my wife is. And I said, no, no, I felt the baby, the soul of the baby come through me, which is a really weird thing for me to say. That's the conception of my daughter. Like oh. that first. Yeah, it's incredible. So I started doing breath work every day and I was doing it on my own and I was having these incredible experiences just in my fucking living room or whatever, in my bedroom, just breathing and clearing out all this stuff, just years of stuff, years of trauma. And I'd go to a class every once in a while and I didn't love the classes, but because uh, I just didn't like the style and the teaching or any of that stuff. But I was just having such a powerful experience with the breath work. I was like, I got to keep doing this. This is changing me. And my clients and my friends started saying to me, like, what's going on with you? You're like, you're a different guy. You're calmer. You're nicer. You're, it just like, it transformed me. And what I realized that like, it didn't really transform me. It just got me to my authentic 
best self, which is really right there underneath all the guarded layers that I had built up over the years. You know, somebody screwed me over. There was one layer. Somebody hurt me. It broke my heart. There's another layer, right? Somebody ripped me off. There's another layer. Somebody stabbed me. There's another layer. Like all these layers I had just built up over my genuine, vulnerable, authentic heart. And so it just pulled all those layers off so that I could get to who I really am underneath. It was just incredible. And so I started taking like trainings and training with these different people. And it was fucking way out there. It was so new agey. It was so woo woo. And I was like, God, how, why am I here? Like, I just didn't feel like I fit or I belonged in those rooms either, but it was undeniable for me, the experience I was having. Right. And at some point in doing it, I had never planned on teaching it. I didn't even want people to know, but someone asked me to teach it. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And, and people were like, dude, this is your gift. Like, this is what you got to do. Right. And I'm like, oh God, I don't want to teach the breath work thing. Like, it's so <laughs> weird. It's so new agey. But I thought maybe if I did it in my way, right. Maybe if I did it as myself, like as a funny Boston guy who doesn't give a shit and just says, look, I know this is really weird. I know you're fucking, if you're anything like me and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here paying somebody to breathe on the floor. <laughs> right. I get it, but just do it and tell me afterwards that it doesn't work. Like, cause the experience is undeniable. In fact, when I get people now who are super resistant that their wife or their friend or somebody has dragged them in, the more resistant they are, the bigger the experience. Mm. So that's what, that's the thing I love about breathwork. It's like, you don't have to believe it's going to fucking work. You just need to show up and do it the way I show you. And you're going to have an experience and you're going to clear out the shit. And those are the guys or the people that come up to me afterwards and be like, dude, I cannot fucking believe I thought you were full of shit because you just don't know how powerful this breath thing is inside of you until you do it. So I started, I had a realization somewhere in there, I think in that first year or maybe after the first year of like, if somebody taught this in a way that was like for angry Boston guys or for a housewife that's just struggling or for a firefighter or a policeman or just any normal walk of life person out there that doesn't like this kind of stuff, they taught it in that way and spoke to them, then they'd have 200 people in the room because everyone out there needs this thing. There's so many people, everyone out there is walking around with anxiety now. Everyone out there is walking around with depression or stress or some kind of issue that they've built up. And I mean, 70% of people are on one medication and 50% are on two. And so everybody's medicated out there. And I have no judgment around medication. If it's going to save your life or you need it, fine. But it has side effects. I know I've been on that stuff. Do you mean like these- antidepressants, that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, antidepressants, yeah. and but not just antidepressants. I mean, there are people out there with high blood pressure that I've seen their high blood pressure go away because they start breathing. Because so much of physical stuff, so much of the health issues are emotional, right? It's all emotional. It's all coming from our emotions. And because we're stuffing it down and because we're not breathing correctly and because we're not doing all this stuff, it's all emotional. I mean, that's, I am the perfect example of this. Like I tell people, I go, if you don't think that your emotions can affect your health, then go find my fucking eyebrows because they're (laughs) gone, right? Because alopecia is an emotional, it's brought on by emotions. It's brought on by stress. It's brought on by trauma, right? So I'm a walking example of like, your emotions will affect your health, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody doubts at this point that stress causes heart attacks and cancer and all this stuff, do they? So what are we doing about it? We're taking a medication. Okay, fine. But the medication has side effects and it's not a long-term solution. It's not a realistic solution. Hmm. So I, and what, people just can't wrap their brain around the idea that 
all you need to do is lay on the floor and breathe in a certain way. And it's going to clear out your anxiety. It's going to clear out your stress. It's going to clear out your depression. You can't wrap your brain around that because you're, you've been breathing your whole life. So you just don't, you can't process that this tool is right inside of you. It's been available to you the whole time. I mean, that was the first thing I thought after the first breathwork session. I was like, how has this been available to me my whole life right inside of me? And I didn't know about it. Why didn't somebody show this to me when I was 13, 14 years old, when I wanted to fucking kill myself? Why didn't somebody show this to me when I was 23 years old, when I had to go on all this medication and I wanted to fucking kill myself? Mm. Why doesn't everybody know about this? So my mission now, my purpose, my goal is to share this with millions and millions of people so that they know that there's this tool available to them that all you need to do is lay on the floor and breathe in a certain way and you can feel better about yourself. You can restart your day. You can clear out that anger. You can clear out that anxiety. You can clear out all that stuff that you're walking around with. And that you might not even be conscious to. So the way that I met you was I went to Panache Desai's VIP immersion event, which is four and a half days. He does several a year here in the US. And you were his uh, partner and doing breathwork classes uh, three early mornings in a row. And the first morning I did have a call with presidential candidate that I'm working with. And so that was already scheduled and that I knew I couldn't be at your breathwork. But I'm not going to lie. I didn't want to go to the breathwork class because... I had been to a few in the past and just like you said, either didn't work or it sucked or I couldn't get past that first 10 minutes. And then I went to Rhythmia and I had these epic journeys through the plant medicine ayahuasca and I had never done a drug a day in my life ever. So that was very wild. But I remember they offered up breathwork classes either before or after you've done the journeys with the medicine, just in case you didn't get your quote miracle, your healing, what you came for through the medicine. And then they swear that the other small percentage will get something by doing a breathwork class. So make sure you go. So I still went to those because why not? I'm here. See if I can get more. And I still didn't get anything. So I went in very skeptical. And I did not know, though, until I was laying down at 7 a.m. on the dot because you're so punctual. So is Panache. That I was so fucking angry and resistant and skeptical and and resentful of that I'm even here. And I thought this was a vacation. And and then I was like, what am I so fucking angry about? Life is good. Life is wonderful. So I didn't even know how much I was suppressing and repressing. I had not a clue. I typically love these types of events. I play full out like you did at UPW. That's why I get the results that I get. My life changes exponentially every time I go to one of these damn things. And I'm going to them all the time. But I had never been to one where I didn't want to go. I'm threatening to leave. I'm telling my mom I'm going to come home. I'm going to go to this fucking breathwork class. And I'm going to probably drive home today. Are you going to be okay if I pick up my dog early? She had never heard me say this. She was like, okay, you can do that. But why don't you stay the day and then let me know if you still feel the same at the end of the day? And I was like, fine. And about 20 or 30 minutes into your breathwork class, I had a massive breakthrough and I'm sitting there or lying there in a little ball, just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And it was the first layer of me breaking through. And it was the first layer of me letting go and coming back to my true authentic essential self, which is this beautiful soul. Now that was a wonderful breakout, if you will, but it was the next morning where you had us write the letter. And we're going to talk about that in a moment after I'd written the letter and then the second letter And then we start the breath work and you're doing your thing, just like you're doing here. You're authentic. You're wailing. You're, you're, you know, you're lobbying for us to get it, to don't give up. And then you're screaming like, like, oh my God. I mean, it was just so, so intense. And there was a permission slip that you gave us to feel and to free and to be, and to be free. 
And next thing I know, and I've never had this happen, my body started convulsing. And I felt like I was a fish out of water, like up on the shore. And like, you know, I'm, I'm making the movements now, but my, I had no control over my body. And I was wailing. There was this guttural sound that came out of me that I didn't even know existed. And I, it was like rage. It was fear. It was all this stuff attached to my childhood and around yeah. the trail of my, my, my grandpa with my mom. And I made it be my story. And it was never my story. And then I attached that to everything else and to every man in my life up until present moment. And then you came and calmly put your hands on my shoulder and I was able to like realign with my nervous system. But that release has sustained. It's now been what, two weeks? And that little nugget that we broke free on or that you helped me break free on, it's like it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing that I've got going on in my mind anymore that's, that's connected to a lifelong of betrayal and abuse and or trauma around trusting men. I didn't know that I could just go there with breath work and release that in 10 minutes. Yeah, so that's what's what incredible. Here? Whoa. So, so there's a lot to unpack there in that story, which is incredible. So I, I remember you having that release. I remember you letting out that scream. And I thought, oh, that's so good. She's really, she's like releasing something. So what's incredible about breathwork is that we've stored these things in our body. We've stored these stories in our nervous system and breathwork clears it out. And so I have tons of doctors, therapists, coaches, teachers, yogis coming to my breathwork teacher trainings now and learning how to teach us because it's such an effective tool in such a short time. So literally you have these stories that you you're and some of them aren't even your stories. Like you said, that was your mother's story. It's like, and, and we are seeing in science, it's been proven in science. This stuff has passed through the DNA, right? That our, uh, the trauma and all this kind of stuff is passed through the DNA. And the body keeps the score is one book, or it didn't start with you is another book. And so some of this is your stuff. Some of this is your mother's stuff. Some of it's your father's stuff or their parents' stuff that's it's inside of us. And when you clear the story and you re- have the realization, which you had, that that's not even my story anymore. And I say that at the beginning of the class, I said, let's let go of some stories, even if they're true, especially if they're true, because we tell these stories our whole life and they become who we are Mm -hmm. and we become stuck in our stories. And you can't write a new story. You can't write a new chapter until you let go of that old story. So it, once it's gone, it's gone. So when my, when I was doing the breath work and the first that's what people don't realize. They come and they have these big emotional releases and they're like, oh my God. And they think that that's going to be going on the whole time, every time they breathe, because it might happen the first bunch of times, but you're clearing out all this stuff. So for me, for example, the first three months of breathing, I had so much stuff that I was clearing out. So many things that I was releasing from like when I broke my arm or when I got stabbed to all this physical stuff and then all this emotional stuff. But then after that, after I cleared it all out, I was just current. So there was like nothing there and then something would come up, right? Like something would happen. Somebody ripped me off. I want to go kill this person, right? It was some guy ripped me off for like $10,000. I'm going to go murder this person because I'm from Boston. You can't let somebody just rip you off. And instead I laid down and did breath work, right? And then, so in, in 25 minutes, I went from homicidal to filled with gratitude and love. So that's how, that's how incredible this tool is, right? So it can do things like that, but there's all these other things that it can do where you know, somebody died that I was really close to. And grief is one of the toughest things. Grief kind of gets stuck in the lungs. And we all experience grief in our lifetimes. We're all going to lose people close to us. We're all going to lose people we love. A lot of people just don't have the tools. And breathwork is the greatest tool I've ever found for grief, right? So 
it helps you process that grief. And Mm. it just, in the first few months, I was just processing all this stuff. And I'm getting a ton of people into my teacher trainings from the ayahuasca now, right? So I don't have any personal experience with ayahuasca. I don't have any judgments around it. But a lot of people are going to these ayahuasca ceremonies and going to different places to do ayahuasca. And they're doing breath work combined with it. And they're going, okay, the ayahuasca was cool, but the breath work really blew my mind. And here's my theory around it, my hypothesis, is that when you ingest something like ayahuasca, you're expecting to trip your balls off, right? But, yeah. when you lay, but when you lay down there and breathe, you're not expecting to trip your balls off, which you do, right? So you're just like, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's like, well, how has this breathing thing been inside of me my whole life? And it, it can release all this stuff. It can do all this stuff. So my personal opinion is that ayahuasca, if it brings you to breath work, it's fantastic, right? Yes, yes. But it's not a sustainable solution because if I'm having a bad Tuesday afternoon, I can't go do an ayahuasca ceremony in the middle of the day. I can, however, lay down on my office floor or uh, wherever. Don't ever do breath work while you're driving the car. Let me just make that clear. You don't want to do it while driving. You don't want to do it in a pool or near water. That's the only way it's safe, right? But there have been zero reported incidences of anything bad happening to somebody while doing breath work. It can get so trippy that it freaks you out because it can clamp up your hands and do all kinds of weird stuff on your body. But my point is, is that I can lay down in the middle of a Tuesday afternoon and literally do breathing for 20, 25 minutes and reset my whole day and start my day fresh. And as they're saying in recovery, like, just start your day over. And I was like, how do I fucking do that? Like, pe- people say things all the time. And I'm like, show me how to do that. Show me how to action- take an actionable way to do that. Like, you know, just love yourself. Okay, <laughs> great. Love myself. Show me how to love myself, right? right. And so- I have learned that for me, that loving myself is showing up and doing the hard work, doing the stuff I don't want to do, doing the uncomfortable stuff. And breath work in the first 10, 15 minutes is uncomfortable. It's difficult. So what I discovered is the classes that I took in the beginning, the teachers were saying hardly anything. They weren't fully preparing people for the journey of the breath work. They weren't telling them everything that can happen. They weren't telling them all this stuff so that they could feel safe, that they could push through their discomfort. So that was that was the thing I added. I added a real nice little talk in the beginning to just let you know what's going to happen and let you yeah. know that you're safe. And if your hands clamp up or if your face gets tingly and weird, or if your jaw gets tight and let you know that emotions are going to come up, let them out, give yourself permission, right? Because a lot of us didn't get that permission growing up. Mm-hmm. And then let you know that the mind is the most difficult part, right? Your mind doesn't want you to do this. It wants to protect you. So it's going to tell you, stop. I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. So you got to override that. And then I push people while they're breathing. And so the trainer in me, the Tony Robbins in me, right, comes out in the beginning of the breathwork class. So I'm really pushing people to push through to show up for themselves. And then what I do in the second half of the breathing is I open myself up. I open my heart up and I get vulnerable Mm. and I let that stuff out so that it gives people permission in the room to get vulnerable. And also, I want to be moved myself. I'm not just doing this to do it. I'm doing it because I want to do something that moves me. Yes. Right? I want to be moved. I want to be I want to be moved in my life. And so I want to move others and I want to move myself. And so I'm saying all the stuff that moves me mm-hmm. and that's coming from my heart and like Panash would say like you're opening yourself up and you're channeling, right? You're channeling. I don't like that word cuz I try not to be woo, but whatever. I'm I'm a fucking hollow reed, whatever you want to call it, right? So <laughs> <laughs> So I'm 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 letting myself be vulnerable so that the people in the room can have permission to be vulnerable too. 
A good and, friend of mine, uh, Jason Goldberg, says, I don't do the woo shit, but I'm woo do. I'm half woo, half do. So maybe that'll be you. Woo do. I love that. Woo do. <laughs> There's yeah. another component, though, that I didn't mention that was quite profound for me. So most of my listeners at this point know that I went to Rhythmia, although the biggest skeptic um, of all, and wasn't even going to do the plant medicine even on my flight there, but I was doing it for my mom who wanted to do it. Anyway, I ended up doing it and I had some great trips. I tripped my balls off, as you would say. I did not expect to experience even more profound trips by doing breath work. Mm -hmm. Now, you and Panache explained this, and I think it was you, that in the breath work, once you go to that next dimension and you get past that 10, 15 minutes of discomfort and you stick with it because you want to get to that place of a clearing, right? Then DMT apparently gets released that's already within our own bodies so that you can start to see the visions. And that's how I was able to trace back to my childhood and see every man that's been in my life, whether they be a spiritual mentor, a personal development mentor, stepfather, father, grandfather, boyfriends, et cetera, huddle around me in this sort of like football group hug. And then they held hands around me and I stood in the center of the circle. And I was, I was shown that there were angels in my life to get me to this point. And it was so profound. And I was just sobbing in gratitude for every single one of them. And, and then they just dropped their hands from each other and they just slowly drifted away and walked away. And I stood in the center of that circle, knowing that I was whole and complete exactly as I am, and that I was no longer that story that I had lived with for four something decades. That part we didn't talk about yet. That journey, that tripping my balls off, that was wild. And yeah. that, I think, is what we all really want. We want to get to the root cause of this shit that's causing yeah. so much pain. Right. So I don't usually say that there's DMT. Panache said that. It, it, I've heard it. You know, I've read it, that there's DMT in the lungs and that you, you're tapping into that DMT molecule and you're releasing DMT when you do the breath work. And so I, I try not to say that because I'm the guy that wants to get people who would never do this work in the room, right? So I, I want to trick I, them out, right? I, I, I trick people into the room. And what I, I don't trick them. I just say, I just keep it casual. And I say, listen, the most common statement I hear is, you know, from people after my classes is, oh my God, that was like 20 years of therapy without saying a word, right? That's the most common statement I've heard. That's been my experience. And everybody wants 20 years of therapy without saying a word for $30, right? So- right. So that's yeah, how I get people way, in the you room. You can own. You can own the practice. You don't have to go to a ten thousand dollar event or some spiritual. Yeah, you, you can do it time. on Tuesday in your living room. Right. You can you can download my track on iTunes or you could go do one of my courses, whatever. But you and you don't need me. You don't need anyone. That's why I don't like the guru thing. Like I'm not trying to build followers and all that kind of shit and wear orange robes. I'm trying to show you the technique, then you go do it on your own, then you bring some more people to me, or you learn to teach it yourself and you start helping people, right? Like it's a pyramid scheme for good is what it is, right? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But so let's unpack your experience now. So that's your experience. Everybody's experience is different. And every time you do it, it's a different experience, right? So I don't tell people what could happen and what might happen because I don't know what's going to happen for you. Everybody's going to have a different thing that they need to heal inside of them. And that was your thing that you needed to heal inside of you. For me, I had all these kind of trippy things where I saw myself helping people Mm -hmm. and I saw myself on a stage having people pull moments in their heart. And I didn't even understand what that meant. That was in one of my first breathwork sessions. And Mm -hmm. then I remembered it years later when I was on a stage having people pull moments in their heart. And I was like, wow, it was a vision, right? It was a vision of the future. And, oh God, I hate that I just said that, but it's like, 
you have these visions. And so they could be things that you need to heal from the past. And I've gone through and I've forgiven people who have wronged me and all that kind of stuff, because that's what we're hanging on to. So forgiveness is for me, it's not for them. It releases me from the past and letting go of all those stories. So everybody's breathwork experience is going to be totally different. And some people like you had a couple experiences the first couple of times and nothing happened to you. That right. usually doesn't happen in my classes. And I'll, well, I and, hadn't gone to you. Let's be clear. Right. And yeah. I don't want to say because I'm this or I'm that, right? It's just, I think it's because I push harder than most. I open the vulnerability up more than most. I have a bunch of elements that aren't in breathwork classes like the gong, where I let people have that primal scream from the bottom of their souls. A lot of people, of women especially, need that big yell. And yes. they just don't get it. Women, for some reason, have a hard time just like, ah, just letting it out. Mm. I don't know why, but they need that, right? And guys yeah. have a hard time letting those tears flow, right? And, mm. and, and I'm generalizing, of course. So I really try to give people that permission in my classes. And I really try to push for that and open that up and facilitate that. And listen, I had, I didn't even know, like, uh, I had a friend of mine when I was in method acting school, when I was in my early 20s, he reached out to me when I was teaching the breath work. And he said, wow, I can't believe you're teaching breath work. I said, why? He goes, because we did it in the method acting school and you hated it. And I didn't even remember. I had no memory of it. And then I started to like, oh, yeah, I think we did do it. And so I just wasn't ready for it. And sometimes if you're resistant, like sometimes you need to be at the end of your rope, right? It's like getting sober in that way. Like yes. you almost need to be at your bottom. Like I'll try anything. Like I don't even approach people if they're not desperate. Yes. <laughs> I don't, well, I, I don't approach anybody anymore. They approach me. But like when I first started teaching it and practicing on my friends, I would hear them share about like they're depressed or they're angry or they're this or whatever. I was like, okay, cool. Do you want to try this thing with me? And they were like, yeah. So I started on my friends who were depressed and who were experiencing anxiety or depression or whatever, or anger like me. And they would come to a session with me or come to my class and they would have this massive experience. So I, you know, but now that's like everyone in society is like that, right? We're walking around a society where everyone is experiencing stress and depression and we're all disconnected. We're disconnected from ourselves. We're disconnected from each other. We're disconnected from nature and we're disconnected from the work that we do. The four big things that you need in life. Which is why I'm just so grateful that you're on this mission, Pyramid Scheme for Good. Okay, so <laughs> I know that you don't teach basic breath work, you know, on a podcast or in sort of any time frame less than an hour and a half out of the integrity for the work that you do. But yeah. we did talk about a way in which my listeners can get their hands on the full deal online. It's like getting you in their living room. And let's talk about that program before we wrap, because I want everyone who's listening, you guys, this is, it's an insanely affordable, completely thorough, comprehensive five-day program that will give you that same experience. And then sure. I think that will be sort of the gateway. Maybe you get yourself into a live class, like I'll be in one of your live classes in, on March 23rd here in LA. I know that all your stuff sells out, or maybe someone will pull to then go to one of your retreats or join one of your teacher trainings. But this is a great way to start the, the process sure. in integrity. So let's talk about this, pro this program. What happened was, so everything sells out now. My classes in LA sell out. I'm in Bend, I live in Bend, Oregon, right? And I do a class with 240 people in Bend, Oregon, a town of 90,000 people, which is incredible, right? And I have a class, you know, this month in Portland, um, which has already got over 100 people. And it's my first class in Portland. It's, it's fantastic. 
So the live class is the ideal way to do it, but online is works really well as as well. So I have this course, it's called the five day emotional detox. What it is, it's a combination of these workshops that I was doing in LA. And like the first day is just breath work. I teach you how to do the breath work. I have a video that literally shows you how to do the breath work. And then I have these downloads that are going to guide you through it. And then the second day is affirmations with breath work. And the third day is this thing that's called the transformational letter. And this is probably the most powerful thing I do. And you did it at the retreat. And so what it is, is you write a letter to someone that you have unresolved issues to, with, right? Either because they're dead and you can't talk to them, or they're just impossible to talk to. They're never going to hear what you have to say. They're never going to acknowledge what you have to say. And then you write a letter back from this person. It's really powerful. That's the part. Because everyone's heard, oh yeah, I heard about writing a letter to somebody, whatever. But writing a letter back really shows you what you want from that person, what you're trying to get from that person, what they're never going to fucking give you, right? And if we have to wait for people to give us what we need, we're totally screwed. So don't wait for that, right? Mm -hmm. So you write this letter back and you realize like, oh, I want them to say they're sorry. I want them to say that they love me. I want them to say that you're right. I wasn't there for you or whatever. So you write these letters and, you know, it's painful. I'm getting emotional because I wrote this, 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 this exercise was born out of somebody that I sponsored for 10 years that committed suicide. And it just destroyed me. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't, the grief was so immense because I felt responsible for them. I felt like I was responsible for their well-being. And you, we can't be responsible for other people, right? Mm-hmm. We can't want it for people more than they want it for themselves. And, right. and this goes back to what you were saying before. It's like, you know, everybody feels like they're not enough in some way, right? I'm not skinny enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not successful enough. And that's a lie that we tell ourselves. And I don't know why we have that lie. I've worked with some of the most successful people on the planet and they suffer from it even more than regular people. Mm -hmm. That's why they're so successful. It drives them, right? Mm -hmm. But at some point, you got to clear that lie out. And breathwork is the first thing, the only thing I've ever done that clears that lie out that I'm not enough. So anyway, so you write these two letters and then you lay down and breathe and the letters bring it all to the surface and then the breath work clears it all out and transforms that relationship. And I have had so many people, thousands of people tell me like that just changed this relationship from when my dad left when I was eight years old or when this happened or when that happened. And so that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. And then day four is, you know, the, uh, the legacy or the eulogy where we write our eulogy not who we, if we died right now, but if who we became, right? Who we became at the end of our life. And that really tells you like, I got to get to work on myself. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to, I'm going to die at some point. We're all going to die at some point. And why am I pretending that I'm not? And why am I playing games? And why am I wasting time mm-hmm. on shit and people that don't matter? Like stop wasting time. Right. Mm-hmm. So you write that and then you breathe. And then the last day is the love letter. And it's just, it's a really powerful course. And so you know, people say that, you know, breathwork is like 10 or 20 years of therapy in one session. This course is like a lifetime of therapy in five days. And you don't have to do it five days back to back. You can do it however you want. But I have incredible testimonials from people. I mean, this guy wrote me this this testimonial recently. I just, it was just, it brought tears to my eyes to read it. And so people are coming on my social media and sending me emails like, thank you so much all over the world that have done this course. You're doing it. Yeah, it's so powerful. Right. And so then what I did was people kept asking me for the teacher training. So I do teacher trainings in Los Angeles every other month. I have two different teacher trainings, basics and one-on-one, and then how to lead couples and groups. And I have those live in Los Angeles and those all sell out. So you got to sign up for them in advance. But I put the teacher trainings online as well. 
So you can do it online as well. You can do all three courses online. And I have people that are doing that and then teaching it in Ireland and Germany and Switzerland. And it's really cool that it's happening. Like it's, it's so fucking happening. Is that it is the perfect companion to anything that anyone might be teaching, whether it be yoga or Qigong or transformational leadership classes or retreats or sound baths or because obviously a lot of those types of people listen to either this podcast or they're already facilitating that kind of work. So it's a beautiful added value that my guess is will become like the thing that when you survey, you know, your members, when they leave or exit a program, that was the thing. Cause I love Panash Desai. He knows that I love him, but I told him like, I had my transformation by doing your two breathwork classes out of the three. And when I get a chance to ever experience you again, I will move mountains to be in all of your classes instead of working with someone on a Zoom call um, at 7 a.m. But nevertheless, yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. So we will add the link in the show notes and obviously get your website up there for anyone who does want to poke around and see what uh, might speak to them. But for me, this is a game changer and you're going to get to it when you get to it. You know, it's kind of like you were saying, why did I know about this when I was 13 and I was suicidal and I felt like I wasn't enough and I didn't know how to deal with the fact that I had rage and sensitivity. And I was so confused. And what do you mean breathwork was always available to me? And I really truly believe, and this is what Panache teaches and I know you subscribe to, it's like we get what we get when we're ready, right? When we yeah. align with our true self and we let go of resisting what is actually happening and we accept what's happening. But sometimes we need modalities like the letter writing process, which was profound and transformational for me, to say the least, to write that second letter back. And to have my dad say what I had wished he said, which he'll never say. And my dad's a good man, but he's never going to say those things that I needed to hear when I was seven and eight years old that I thought were inappropriate that he was doing with other women, right? Never with me. But again, I was a little Hawkeye because I was this protective little sergeant from what I'd seen my mom go through. So it's just so bizarre at how we let our stories inform everything. So these modules though, that you offer and and inside of the breathwork classes are, are such anchors and, and truly transformational. So we'll add that um, in the show notes. What's next. If you had to say in a nutshell, where you see this vision going, I mean, you're scaling, you're growing, people are approaching you for, for partnerships. What do you want in the next 10 years? Oh, that's a great question. I just want to touch on something you just said, though. Like, I actually did the letter around my father as well, mm-hmm. right? So at first it was around uh, my my friend who committed suicide. And then I did it around my father, who's still alive. And he's a, he's a good guy, but he did some shit that wasn't okay, right? Mm-hmm. And and I realize now from all the work, because I've done so much work around my dad, right? You know, he did the best he could with what he had, right? Yeah. And so he, he, like all of us, is, you know, damaged and broken in some way. But I, I was waiting for him to say, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry. And it's, I mean, you can't wait for people to say it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, and I transformed the relationship with my dad who has not changed one bit. But, but you changed your perception. Yes. Right. I have changed my perception of him one and I've changed my reaction to him because yes. our family pushes our buttons because they put them there. Right. So it's like, no, no one would make me react worse than my family. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now I don't react the same way because it's just like, I've worked on it so much and I've done so much work around that. Like, I just, I just know like so much of it is like, we're expecting them to be different because we're different now. They're not going to be different. They're, they're going to do the same shit. And so I need to change my reaction. And a lot of that is my expectation. 
Mm. I need to let go of the expectation that someday in some way he's going to hear me or he's going to say what I want him to say. When I can let go of that expectation and just know that that's okay. Like, I don't need him to say this. I don't need him to do this to be okay. Then it starts to change. Then it starts to transform. So I just want to touch on that. What's next for me? It's so funny. I, so I've spent the last 20 something years of my life, like sort of pushing to do this and pushing to do that and like whatever. Instead, in the last bunch of years, I've just gone, you know what, I'm just going to help people and see what the universe brings to me. Right. And, you know, Panache touched on this a bit too. Like we talked, he and I talked about scaling up and like, of course I want to scale my business. Like everybody wants to scale my business, but I'm trying to just enjoy where I'm at right now. You know, Mm -hmm. like I love that my classes are sold out. I love that my trainings are sold out. I love that I get to um, be a good dad to my kids. Right. So you got the two, the boy and the girl. I got the kids exactly like I saw. I have a girl and a a younger boy and I get to be a good dad. I get to, you know, and I'm not always the perfect dad. Like it's just letting go of that, like making mistakes and being okay. Right. And not beating myself up when I make a mistake. So I'm I'm saying a lot lately, like work harder on yourself. Just don't be harder on yourself. Right. So we beat ourselves up. Oh my God, I did this. Oh my God, I did that. Every like little stupid mistake. Right. I'm going to make five stupid more mistakes today, Michelle. Right. Am I going to beat myself up five more times? Like stop beating yourself up for stupid mistakes, Mm -hmm. but do the work at the same time. So it's a balance. Right. I'm just trying to enjoy where I'm at right now. And I think things are just going to grow naturally. I think that I'm going to, I'm going to touch more people. I'm going to get to more people just naturally. And I'm going to just, you know, I'm, I'm getting people on my team. I need more people on my team to help me because I'm doing too many things. You know, I've got a couple businesses and I want to spend more time with my family and I want to grow at the same time. So trying to figure that out is the challenge right now. So bringing people in who can do the stuff that I don't have to do. Tony calls it buying your time back which is a really cool thing. So right now I'm just in a, in, in a really good place and I just want to take a breath, right? <laughs> Not to sound corny. I just want to take a breath and I just want to appreciate and enjoy all the hard work I've done. Because when you were talking about something you were saying just a minute ago struck me, it's like, you know, why didn't I get this when I was 13? Well, I had to go through all that stuff. I had to, I had to get stabbed. I had to have my heart broken. I had to get ripped off. I had to like try all these different things to get to this place so that I could be great at this thing. And it all makes sense now. It's the hero's journey, right? It's Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. Like I'm turning around and I'm helping other people change their lives. So if if you're in a place in your life right now where it doesn't make sense, then you're not there yet. You haven't, you haven't, keep going, right? You're, you have, like I'm in a place now where I'm turning around, I'm helping other people. I've brought back the elixir, as they say in the hero's journey, and I'm helping other people with the, the elixir being the breath work. And so all that stuff, all that pain makes sense. Like Steve Jobs said, like he took a, a um, I think it was a, a font class in college, right? And it didn't make sense to him why he was even taking the font class in college, but that influenced Apple and like what he did at Apple and created, you know, these things at Apple. So like, all these things that I've done, like they now make sense to me in my life. And so if, the, if where you're at doesn't make sense, which it doesn't for most people, keep going, keep growing, keep doing things. So keep working on yourself. Like my business isn't breath work or sober companioning. My business is working on me. 
Yes. And then and then turning around and sharing what I've discovered helped me in the process. So I, the business is just keep keep growing like this. Just in the last couple of months, I did Panache's thing, right? I did Tony Robbins thing. I did a Ho'oponopono certification, right? So just keep working on yourself. It's like, I, I'm not in this place where I stopped working on myself. I got to go deeper because I want to grow more and help more people. So I can I only the answer. It's the best answer. I think I've, I've heard in a long time and not because it reminds me of me. It does, <laughs> but it's <laughs> so true. And it speaks to your authenticity of this mission. Um, and I always say that if you really know that this is your calling and it's your legacy, then there's just no rush, right? Why like speed it up? Like allow yourself to enjoy it and to really live it and to be it and to serve from that, that heart, that wholehearted mindset and I claimed this whole year, 2020, at the top of, of, of the year, I did a podcast where I talked about new year momentum. I'm like, this year is all about letting go of whatever I think I should be doing business-wise, relationship-wise, et cetera. I want to be called into action because that's what I ended up seeing was the magic of the year before 2019. I had all these lofty plans and dreams and partnerships all planned but the things that I was most proud of or that brought me the most joy or the most growth or the most gratitude, I could have never predicted. And it yeah. was just, I was just staying in the work and I was being honest with myself about what's real, what's in alignment. And so, and this is what I want to foster in the world. This is why the yeah. show is called Fire and Soul. Fire is inspired action. Soul is awakened soul. That's who you are. And so, yes, if we are in the midst of confusion, that's okay. Enjoy that too but you're on the precipice of a breakthrough, I always say. And it's also what Tony Robbins teaches. So you will look back and connect the dots. If you're not there right now, just know that it's all happening for you, not to you, right? And yeah. then one day you might find yourself in a, in a Paul, in a Jean Paul, you know, creamy breathwork class. And you're like, oh my God, this was the next piece. This is the yeah. more freedom in this moment, but there will be more because it's called being human. Well, those breakthroughs are, I mean, if you even look at your breakthroughs from what I just heard, they're all unexpected, right? So yes. it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to go to this place and I'm going to have a breakthrough. Oh, no, it doesn't work. No, well. <laughs> no. Right? And my breakthroughs have all been unexpected. And so and whenever I'm chasing something, it doesn't work. And if I get it, it's usually never as good as I had hoped it would be. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just want to stop chasing things. Yes. Right. Stop chasing. Stop wanting. Stop wishing. Stop hoping. It's just like there is a Buddhist, a very Buddhist principle. It's called abandoned hope. And for a while, I had that like on post-its everywhere because the hope is going to make me suffer. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hoping this situation is going to be different. I'm hoping somebody's going to show up and love me for who I am, the way I am. When I'm not loving myself that way, right? Yes. We, We teach people how to love us. We show people how to love us by how we love ourselves, and how we love ourselves is how we're showing up for ourselves and doing the hard work. Mm -hmm. So stop hoping somebody's going to show up because that's what's making me suffer. Fuck it. Abandon hope. Like I used to have abandoned hope everywhere. Just abandon hope that I'm going to be successful. Abandon hope that I'm going to find that person. Abandon hope and just fucking forget about it and just love yourself. Just work on yourself and love yourself. And then everything just comes right to you. It's the irony, right? It's like when you don't fucking want a relationship, everybody wants to be with you, right? <laughs> when, you, when, you give a, when you don't give a shit about success and career and all that stuff, it starts to happen. I had helped all these guys get sober and it was so frustrating to me because I saw them all just get super successful. Like some of them became mega stars and I was just like, oh my God, where is mine? You know, where is mine? And one of my friends said to me, he said, what if you didn't measure your success by like money and fame and instead you measured it by the people that you've helped? 
You'd be one, you are one of the most successful people I know if you measure it by that. And I just, I broke in that moment. And I realized it's like, you get to decide what success is for you. Because so many people are defining their success by what society is deeming successful, right? Which is money and cars and this and a relationship. And like, maybe that isn't what success really is. Because I know people that have all that shit and they're miserable. Mm. And so what maybe success is just finding a way to make yourself feel good and feel happy and feel good about yourself on a daily basis. Maybe that's what success is. Maybe success is just getting out of yourself and helping other people and doing some good work in the world. So you get to decide what success means, what success is. Beautiful. And then, you know, of course, all of that I love, and we, we talk about that a lot on this show, but then finding a modality that can really work for you and tune you back into truth, into present moment, into what's real and not made up in our mind, or even in our emotions, right? Just coming back to something as simple and profound as, as breath. I mean, it is life. And so I just thank you so much for sharing such a gorgeous heart with us. You're beautiful. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. It's such an honor. I'm excited to get to know you more and to deepen my work with you through your work and for everyone that's listening to hopefully, yeah, go on over and pick up that program. What's it called again? It's called the five day emotional detox. Beautiful. So we'll add that to the show notes. JP, it's been such an honor. I cannot thank you enough for your time and for sharing your heart with us so beautifully today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fire and Soul podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.